Enjoying the podcast, but want to go deeper into best practices for account management? Learn more from Fred and John in A Dragon Walks Into a Meeting, a tactical guide to client management, available at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Account Management, a tactical guide for success. You got Fred here and, of course, my co-author, good friend, and uh, the smartest man in the world, John Brown. Wow, that's really, really high praise. I I don't think that I'd, well, no, no, I'm going to agree with you. I think that's right. I think you're on the money. That's what my mom tells me anyway. And so I... I'm going to go with that. No, that's the, you're, you're too kind. You are uh, my good friend and a wonderful co-host as well. So let me repay the compliment. All right. Now it's getting, you're, you're not. <laughs> now it's just absolutely getting weird. So all right, I'll stop but, there. Yeah. yeah all I don't right. want to get okay. weird. All right. It's let's all, not do it's that. All. It's too late. Too late. All right. All right. So uh, today we're going to talk about how to think about growth, right? And, and and so when we talk about growth, we're talking about growth within an account. That's right. Right. That's right. So it, everybody remembers the number one of job of account managers, which is to build, say it along with me, trust. trust. That's right. And trust. then the number two job when we is to think about growth, right? And then the third is, of course, everything else that comes along with account management, which is where most people spend their time. But number two is actually growth. So today we're going to talk about growth and, and how you get there. And we're going to talk about it mostly from the standpoint of kind of skills, um, what you need to grow. Not so much. We're not going to give you like a secret formula. Unless you do you have a secret formula? I do, but it has nothing to do with this. <laughs> Is it 11 herbs and spices? Yeah, people in South America and uh, Indonesia, they want to talk to me about stuff. It's secret formulas. I can't. Oh, I see. Okay. That's another podcast. All right. Let's let's not go there. Hold up a podcast. Um, no, there is no secret formula. The secret formula is just kind of doing the right things all the time, every day, right? It is. That's the secret formula. And, and so when you think about growth, we have... We have all these different growth means different things to different people. And so, you know, one of the things we want to do is we want to talk about the types of growth, right? Yeah, that, that's right. And the it, it, typically when you talk about that or what most people immediately go to is certainly what, you know, if you're in a business, what your leadership goes to is obviously revenue growth with your clients, right? That's that's typically their number one, but you might be, let's say you work for a nonprofit or something like that. And you're and your clients are donors, right? That's maybe that's, it's not quite the right analogy, but that's, that's what people uh, tend to think about. But even within that, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of complexity. Growth can mean different things. It can mean things like expanding your growth with um, existing products. So like not necessarily sell, you know, most people go right to, I'm going to sell you something new that can happen. And that's typically what people mean by that. But um, expanding what you're currently doing is definitely one type of growth. Um, another one is uh, actually finding new uses for your current product, which is actually probably one of the more overlooked ones yeah. um, within, uh, you know, the the rubric of growth. And then another one is, you know, finding opportunity. Here's, you know, this is also very overlooked is growth where you find ways for your customer to grow and that causes your product to grow, right? So you find sales leads for them or you help them yeah. uh, build their business, right? So, so you know, it can mean a lot of things is, is what we're trying to say. 
Yeah. Yeah, it can. Right. And, and, you know, it's, um, there's always an opportunity to help the owner of your product or your executive sponsor to, um, to illustrate the, the successes that they've had with the product that you give them, right. Mm -hmm. Or with the services that you provide Mm -hmm. and you have to help them champion what they've achieved. Right. Right. And so, and so thinking about those three things that you miss mentioned, right. So expanding growth within your existing products, um, new use, right. For the current product. And then, um, and then opportunities uh, to help your customer grow, right. Like those three things should be heavily intertwined. Yeah. And, and growth. And I think what, um, what we're trying to say almost is, Every you have to grow with every client, and that can mean different things with different clients. And it's, and it's not even always revenue growth. So, for example, let's say you're in a situation where you have kind of your company that has maybe one product, and you're maxed out with your customer in terms of of what they can buy from you. In other words, maybe they're sole source to you. You're you're the incumbent. They they buy from nobody else, right? That's kind of the dream situation. But it does. I have seen it happen. Um, it's unusual, but you know, it can happen. You still have to figure out some way to grow within the client that's, that's other than that. So it's, in other words, there's no such thing as just stasis, right? So when an account manager says to me, Hey, everything's good with that client. We don't have to worry about them at all. That's when I start to get worried. Right. So, so growth can be things like improving your service delivery to make your product more defensible, right? So you're kind of growing the services that you provide. So you're you're getting in deeper with your client that way. Or growth can be um, in the situation I described that's kind of the Nirvana situation. Maybe you're deepening the number of relationships uh, you have with the client, right? So, um, you know, you're continuing to build, take that trust foundation you already have and expanding that to other people within the organization. That's a form of growth, right? Oh, it, it, yeah. And, and it's growth that you have to experience firsthand. To rely on the notion of somebody saying, oh, yeah, you know, we, we've told them all the great work you're doing. And that's not to say you don't trust people, but I want to I take part in that conversation, right? When you start mm-hmm. growing throughout an organization, I want to mm-hmm. be a part of that conversation so I can right. hear what's being said and how we're being positioned so I can respond appropriately, right? Yeah, nothing- I mean... You're Nothing growing from being right. You're providing a service to growing to being a, a consultant for that client, right? Yeah, like somebody they call as a trusted partner. That is also a type of growth. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, I, I I've seen so many experiences where the you you're you're having to overcome the perceptions, misperceptions. Um, within an organization, right? Because everybody is, you know, unfortunately, you know, people have agendas and so they want to make sure that they're, they get the right level of prioritization to go and achieve their agenda and be successful for that year. And that may or may not include your product or your organization. And so it's important that as people are, are doing those things to improve their, their chances of success, that, they understand who you are properly. Right. And so that whole thing of like spreading that knowledge around an organization of who you are and what you do and how you can contribute. And then, and you're checking every one of these boxes then, right. The single biggest thing is if you can help your customer to grow, if you can help them to go out and get market share, then they'll, they'll do the other things that you need them to do. And if you do that successfully enough, they will, they will sing your praises and you will have no problem meeting others and expanding and all those good things. Right. Right. You will, 
the and what another way of saying what you just said is you know the the fundamental thing is to build trust with your client if you have that the opportunities to grow within the client are going to come to you right and that's one nice thing about being an account manager versus sales sales is a little bit more you have to go find the opportunity it's a little bit more work what's great about being an account manager is if you have that trust relationship right if you do something very high order like what you just suggested around helping your client to grow they're going to tr- have all kinds of trust for you and love and they're going to bring you the opportunities to grow where they say hey you know we're using your product over here could we use it over here also why yes you could let's talk about that right yeah um, because because you've got that trust bond and so that's why we always list that as the number one job. And then this is the, you know, close second job. And and it, aren't there, there, there are some caveats, right? There are some risks associated with, with, with how you go about growing. And so let me, let me give you an example of, mm-hmm. I've seen scenarios where the client will say, Hey, um, can you, can you do a little something over here for me? And, and you go, yeah, yeah, sure. I can do that. I want to be a good partner for you. And they mm-hmm. go, okay, cool. And they, look, can we just throw that into the next contract that we do? Let's not worry about it right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And in your head, you know, it's going to go away because you know that you don't want to bring it up three months from now about a $10,000 piece of work that you did while you're, while you're working through a $2 million contract. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but, but those little favors sometimes don't benefit you the way that they do. Is that... Yeah, there. Uh, so the growth has to be that mutually beneficial growth. I, I, uh, you're hitting on a really important point. I mean, a lot of times account managers will kind of uh, fall back to, hey, I'm doing more for the client. So that is kind of a form of growth. But you also have to worry about your own organization. Actually, it's funny you bring that up. Let me let me tell you a little I'll tell you a little story along those lines um, that speaks to this that I think is important. So about a piece of growth that I initiated at a company that I was at a long time ago. And, and the, the net of it is that um, it was almost exactly the situation that you describe where, um, you know, one of our clients would uh, constantly ask us to do extra pieces of work. Um, and as a concession to the client and to try to, and I'm using air quotes here, you know, help make them happy, um, they would, uh, we, we would do that work for free. And, you know, the problem is when you do work for free, you've got two problems there. One is that the, uh, the client doesn't necessarily value it as much. And two, your own organization certainly doesn't value it as much. And so, you know, what would happen is we would get requirements wrong and we would miss deadlines it, it, and it, things it, like it, that. And can, can I jump in there yeah, yeah, real jump in quick there. Yeah. though and say, and say that the, the big distinction there is that the people internal to you, if you are giving away favors and work, you're always getting a little feedback internally, right? Like, hey, man, we need to be charging for that. How do your margins look? Like there's somebody asking you that question internally. Mm-hmm. So you understand the risk that you're dealing with there. What typically gets overlooked or misunderstood is the risk that the client doesn't perceive the value in it that you think it that's, does. That's, that's right. That's right. And so, yeah. And, and, 
you know, and in this particular case that I'm talking about, you know, I, I my view of this, I took a dim view of that. And I said, we, we need to uh, kind of when I took over a leadership role and I said, we, we need to start charging for this work. And we did. And we turned it into essentially kind of went from a zero to a several million dollar a year revenue stream. And um, which, I, you know, um, and, you know, bringing this back to the growth idea, my, my boss was delighted with that, certainly, but it had some, but that kind of growth is, was almost kind of like finding, uh, you know, change in the sofa cushion, right? It wasn't like a, a organic growth, like selling a new product in or something like that. It was, it was a different kind of growth, but it had some interesting effects um, that were very positive. One, you know, obviously the, the revenue benefit for my company, but it did, but it solved those two problems that you just articulated. One, the client started appreciating it more because they were actually paying for the work. And then two, it forced our organization to be more disciplined and actually do a better job of documenting all the upfront requirements, getting our act together, making sure that we delivered on time, making sure that our organization was actually excited about doing the work. And so we became more disciplined and actually our delivery got a lot better in the process of doing that um, as well. So it was, you know, it was really in many ways kind of a win-win all around. And I, I tell that story, uh, you know, uh, for all the reasons you just mentioned, but also it's a, it's a, it was a weird kind of growth. It's not the kind that most people would think of, but it was spotting that opportunity and turning it into something. And that, and that's the kind of thinking a good account manager has is they can see those opportunities. And it's not just about, you know, selling a new product in. there's a lot of different ways to grow. Well, there, and there's one more domino in there, and that is the level of visibility and advocacy you gain throughout the organization when you formalize the, 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 that work, right? Those projects, mm-hmm. those little projects, those little favors. When you formalize that, then you're engaging sourcing again, then you're engaging this group again, and you're engaging that group again, and finance has to sign off on it. So everybody knows exactly how much work you're doing and how much you're delivering. And then they do, truly do know, yeah, you're doing it right and on time and all that good stuff. Yeah, And that gets communicated now indirectly or as, a, as just a sort of residual effect you know, all the way up through those various groups. So mm-hmm. now, you know, you're, you're again, coming back to the top of the list, you're expanding knowledge of your product, you're expanding knowledge of your skill set, all that good. So, so that's a really counterintuitive item, yeah. John. It really, really is, but it is appropriate because so many salespeople and account managers, like, yeah, like, let's give this thing away. I want to get the contract, sign the contract, right. man. I don't want to get held up on the thing. And, the, you know, and then you realize, like, it can be counterproductive, man. Yeah. Growth is not equivalent to, um, you know, just doing more and giving away things for free. Now, there are times for that. There's no no question about it. But um, but but growth is a mutually beneficial activity for both you and your client. That's that's really what that story is meant to be illustrative of. And so that's that's a crucial component uh, to growing. And it can be, you know, kind of all all kinds of weird ways. Let's talk about the skills you need to grow list out our skills. Yeah. Yeah, Let's, let's talk about that. Um, so why don't you walk us through the list here, John? I have a a few, a few thoughts. Um, but, uh, but kick us off here. So the skills that you need to grow. Yes. So there's kind of four main things that we think about when we think about growth as an account manager. And, um, 
this is all, and so it kind of, again, goes back to that story. This is all in service of the idea that uh, chance favors the prepared mind. That's a quote from Louis Pasteur. So in other words, you know, if you, if you have these skills, if you have these kind of attributes ready to go, you're going to be much more likely to be able to spot an opportunity within your client and actually capitalize on that opportunity. And so we, we tend to view growth more, a little bit more from a skills perspective. Right. Um, And we talk about a lot of this, there's some related skills that we talk about in some of the earlier podcasts, particularly around listening. That's kind of the obvious one, but these are maybe some ones that are maybe a little bit less obvious. So we're going to, we're going to talk about those. Um, And they are, the four things are be a project manager when you have to. Uh, The second one is uh, doing business reviews and goal setting. The third is creating a relationship map. And then the fourth is leveraging technology, particularly CRM systems. Yes. Uh, done. Are we? That's it. Podcast over. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, it's been good to. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. No. Let's keep going. No, no, no. This is. Um. It, it's kind of interesting because this list, the four things. So, project manager. You know, business reviews, goal setting, create a relationship map, and and then make sure you're using your CRM. I almost view those as very core foundational items that you should be doing anyway. This is, to me, it feels like it's, this is account management 101. These are the things that if you do them and do them well, then other stuff will come into play for you. If you're not doing these well, I don't know how the other things fall, you know, lay down for you. Yeah. That's, that's right. I mean, you kind of, you have to do them kind of no matter what as an account manager, but it, you know, they sort of logically are the ones that are the most closely related to, you know, making sure that you're in a, a prime position to, to grow yeah. at a client. Let's talk about, let's talk about each one. Yeah. 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 Project management. Um, Project management. Yeah. So there are so many examples that I have through, through my experiences that where that particular element, that particular function, like it's, it's not only is it critical to make sure that the projects get done and executed on time and deliverable and all that other stuff, but it is absolutely a, a, a good project manager is doing so much more than that. Right. Yeah. A good, good project manager can tell you the temperature of any particular work stream taking place within that project. Good project managers are capable of bridging the gap across across different workflows and different departments and different areas. And they can really identify then what are the, where, where the opportunities are and they can help you leverage those opportunities and also identify risk. Right. But yeah, that's right. And uh, the reason we bring this up is to say, sometimes as an account manager, you're going to have to be the project manager for whatever the project is that needs to get done to help your client grow. So let's say, you know, let's take that example of client wants to use your product in a new context, right? That might require some adjustments to your product. You know, who, who knows what's going to be required. It might be a complicated project, right? And you may or may not, maybe you're at a company that's too small to have project managers. Maybe you just can't get one as a resource. Anyway, long story short, it's not enough as an account manager to just bring that back to your company and go, hey, client wants X, there you go. Um, so get it done and that's all. And then now I'm gonna go play golf. That's not going to work um, in kind of today's modern uh, corporation, right? So sometimes you as an account manager you're gonna to have to play project manager. And so we'll give you a couple of easy tips to know how to do it, um, to try to make it as simple as, um, 
as possible um, when you have to do it. Now, I'll give you one rule of thumb. If you if you work at a bigger company and you do and you are taking on um, you know a new growth project with a client, if you have if the project involves more than three people, that's probably a good rule of thumb to start thinking about. Should I ask for a project manager? And given that you're one of the three people. You know, really, you're talking about two two other people other than yourself. So that that's kind of my rule of thumb. It's going to involve more than three people. Time to maybe start thinking about whether you can ask for one. But let's say in the case you just don't have those resources, or you're just not big enough, or whatever. Um, there's two things that you need to know as an account manager to be a halfway decent project manager. I mean, there, there's like a certification for project managers, and this whole topic is when you can go on forever. It's way more complicated than I ever want to get into. But here's what you need to know as an account manager. There's two things. Um, the four things you need to focus on as as a um, account manager slash project manager, scope, resources, time, and money, those four things. So you need to be able to document those four things and say, I know what those are, right? So that's kind of the starting point. And then after that, being a project manager is actually pretty simple. You can do it in an Excel spreadsheet. There's tons of fancy tools out there. I like all the fancy tools. I've tried a bunch of them. But the the net of being a really good project manager is just knowing for every action item associated with the project, knowing three things, who will do what, by when that's it it's not any more complicated than that yeah no it it's it boiled down to it you know the epicenter that absolutely that's what that's it who will do what by when that's what you need to track as an account manager a lot of account managers don't necessarily want to get into all that detail sometimes you just have to in order to make growth happen at your client right you've got to drive the action of the whole team their project their team and yours sometimes it just works out that way yeah 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 and it and you have to bring that yeah it's that discipline it's the mindset it's the execution but then there's that element of strategy where you got to rise up a level or two at times to understand how you can connect the dots and make everybody more successful right um problem you can't just work at that strategy level like you do sometimes you are gonna have to dive in and that's right that's right. Um, but but I really love the next one. And and you and I have done a couple of these together. And by a couple, I mean no fewer than hundreds. Um, the business reviews and goal setting. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, the business review, I find to be a very interesting concept uh, and topic because I would say there was a point in my career where I thought everybody in the world did business reviews with their clients. Fast forward several years and that is not necessarily true. Yeah. You need to have a regular business review with your clients and we're going to get into, we have a whole nother podcast. We're going to get into the super detail on that once a quarter, quarterly business reviews, once a twice a year, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the right cadence. Um, and because you're going to surface tons of opportunities by doing those, they're going to tell you in those meetings, oh, gosh, have we thought about maybe doing this over here, right? All those are going to come out in a formal business review because you put the time in to prepare. The other piece of that is goal setting. So you need to have, and again, this is, we're going to do a deeper podcast, your own cadence for setting goals once a year, uh, twice a year, uh, you know, as part of your internal um uh, uh, account review process where you figure out what the goals are for each one of your clients. And then so that you can go execute that you print them out, you tape them up beside your desk. This is the really important part of not letting all the little things, 
uh, mm. get in the way, you know, focusing on the material issues, not the small stuff. You need to have that next to your desk. So you're reminded every morning when you get up and you go look at it, like I've got a goal to get X done with this client and you're not swamped by, and you don't look at your email as your main source of work for the day. That's not what it's about. It's, it's about the goals that you're trying to set. And, and when your when your goals are driven to the greatest extent possible by their goals, those conversations can become a lot easier. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, yeah, I know you're trying to do this in the next 18 months and here's how we can help you go do that. Yeah. It, yeah. Right? If your if your account management is driven out of your email and servicing the client and responding to their requests, you're you're messing up. You're not going right. to grow. Right. Yeah. Like instead yeah. of you review all of your clients or the, you know, the top 100 or whatever the right number is, and you have a goal for each one of those for, for the quarter or for the half year or for the year, you're going to much be much more likely to get that done. It needs to be written down. That is so incredibly important. Yeah. Well, you said it a moment, a moment ago, we could spend, uh, well, and we will do a complete podcast yeah, for, we're gonna get for business review. Yeah. So, so, so we'll jump to the next one then in the next one. Um, and I love it. And I hear people talk about it all the time and it becomes kind of a buzzwordy thing, but this stresses the, the critical nature of it. And that is to create a relationship map. That's right. right. And actually when you see the word create, you just used is the key word as an actually write it down and you can do it. You know, most of them I've made are in PowerPoint. Like it doesn't have to be something exotic. I mean, you can do it in something, you know, there's software packages out there for relationship mapping. Um, so that, that is a thing, but you do not have to get that exotic, nor should you, you should start with um, for every important client that you have identifying the, uh, all of the influencers within that client, not, not just those who make the buying decision, but anybody who influences that buying decision. Um, within each one of those influencers, where are the growth opportunities, all right? Um, their, their role in the organization, their goals, their feelings about your product, their influence level, their information gathering style. Those are the things you need to document in the relationship management, probably in that order, right? So, you know, their role within the organization it's obvious they're the CFO or whatever, the goals that they have, you may or may not know that, but that's something that you need to go get, right? And we've talked about that before. How they feel about you, that's an obvious one. Most people do red, yellow, green, or you know, positive yep. to negative, something like that. They're how they're influencing the the um the how they're influencing the equation. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, if you have it. Uh, their information gathering style. So, you know what, it, and we're going to talk about this more in another podcast, but like whatever framework you use, whether it's Myers-Briggs or, or, um, or DISC or um, Herman or whatever. Yeah. Right. What, how, you know, what are the, how do they gather information? Those are the things you need to have in your relationship map. Yeah. And again, these things, it's, it's uh it's hand in glove. If you know what their goals are and you set your goals according to their goals, and then you understand who the decision makers are, and then you can use that relationship map to figure out who the influencers are and who you need to know and who knows who and who were, and, and you put this puzzle together mm-hmm. that allows you to be successful. Right. right. The chance, you know, favors the prepared mind. Like if you're doing these right. things, those opportunities, if they are out there, guess who stands a better probability of being successful? 
Yeah, and this is one, it's good you brought up that quote again, because like this is one where when you're in the middle of doing it, you're like, okay, first of all, I already know all this. So like, why am I doing it? Am I doing it to make my boss happy? Well, yeah, a little bit, like you might be. Yeah. But trust me, it will come in handy later because you'll, you'll look at the map and you'll, it'll make you look at, well, gosh, Susan over here in accounting, you know, I know she weighs in on some stuff. I've never really given her much thought, but now that I'm looking at this box on the page and I know that she has some influence over the CFO and I, you know, what am I doing to grow that relationship? And it makes you think, huh, I probably could do something there. I could at least go find out what her information gathering style is and see what I could do to help her and build trust, right? Yeah. It's going to make you think of things that will be helpful to you down the road. Everybody, here, here's what you'll find when you put this in writing and you bring the entire puzzle together. You're going to find that a lot of people have a lot of this information in their head in pockets, Mm-hmm. Right. The ability to connect all those dots and bring it together to paint that holistic picture. That's what people are lacking. That's what your job is as an account manager. Right. Right. That's your job is to bring those pieces together to make right. everything more powerful. It's like so. So these are critical things. So, yes, I, like I said, it's a little buzzwordy, like relationship maps and account maps. And people love to kind of throw that around as like this, yeah. this term like, no, do it. Right. I'll take like people throw it around, but like I'll take somebody who took 15 minutes and put at least some of those things that I mentioned in a PowerPoint as an org chart. I'll take that any day over talking about it. Yep. Right. Like or or just kind of yeah somebody describing it to me verbally. Right. Well, you know, the, we got this person here, like somebody who takes the discipline to actually get that down on paper. I mean, the A plus answer is getting to that information gathering style. But if you at least have their role in the org, something about their goals, their feelings about your product, like yeah. if you at least can do that much. You're going to be way ahead of your peers um, as an account manager. Yeah, it's a lot of powerful information. What do you do when you have all this powerful information, John? What do you you just uh, you put it in a file? In your uh, like in the black little old school thing, is that the? Yeah, that's mainly what you. No, you use it. Uh, you do a couple of things with it. Um, you do two things with it. One, you do what I just mentioned in terms of you start using it to figure out where the gaps are in your map. People that might be influencing your decision that you think you know about that might be influencing decisions about you, and use it as a tool to say, oh, I need to go fill in that gap. Right, so. I don't know. I don't know Susan in accounting. Hey, Mr. CFO, I know you. Can you introduce me to her so that I can take her out to lunch, right? Yeah. And then the other piece is putting that map down there to, to find out the gaps, even with people where you know who they are and how they influence things. So, like I said, their information gathering style, um, their feelings about the product, like things that you don't know that you should know. You use it to identify all of your gaps, and then once you have all that information. You use all of that to enter it into, here's number four. The CRM. The CRM. That's right. That's right. The dreaded CRM. The, the dreaded CRM. CRM. Goodness gracious. CRMs uh, go run the gambit from everything from a, from a um, three-column spreadsheet to uh, – uh, you know, something Salesforce, that, uh, yeah. Salesforce. And yeah, it, it is crazy. Right? Well, you know, you, you mentioned the three column spreadsheet. I think this is a good point to mention. I don't know if you remember the podcast we did a little while back with Brandon Horn and he talked about, he's got a little bit of a CRM going with some of his clients. That's literally just a spreadsheet. 
Right. Yeah. And, and well, the, the reason yeah. I bring that up is for the very that very point of when you say CRM, people break out in hives. Some people do. Right. And it, no, no, no. It doesn't need to be that complex. It right. just, what, what if your company uses a tool, you should try to, you know, get in line and be uniform because that's helpful because people have access to it, centralized and all those other things. But the bigger point here in regards to a CRM is like, to your point, like get it down and make sure it's something that is shareable. You can forward it, whatever. If there is a centralized source of truth, use it. Yeah, and there's a couple reasons you do need to do that, and one and one is specifically related to growth. So obviously, most CRMs are going to require the inner information about your customers. We've talked a lot about the information you want to gather on your customers. Um, we talked about some in this podcast, but remember in a previous podcast we talked about things like um, you know their what their spouse's name and uh, their um, kids' names and all those kinds of things. So you need to have that information handy. And you, you know if you've got a decent number of clients, you're not going to be able to keep all of that in your head. So it is a, a information documentation system. But then related to growth, you need to document all of your opportunities and there are some really good reasons to do that. One, to keep yourself honest so that you're on track so that you can use those opportunities to monitor your goals and make sure you are, you are tracking to what you need to do. Two, and you know, this is what most, I think, salespeople and account managers think that they're doing with it is creating it so that they can make their bosses happy so that they can create reports. And yes, that is actually really important. You need to be able to tell your boss, hey, here are the opportunities that I'm working on and do that in a disciplined, structured way. But the real purpose of the CRM is to keep yourself on track, right? Like yeah. I use it all the time and I'm a business leader. I go in there and I look at stuff all the time. It's helping me keep on track, help me remember information about our clients, things that I want to go check on and make sure are happening. It's it, it's it's useful for everybody. It's not just about reporting up. Yeah. And it's not just about information that is going to be important for the next uh, two weeks or a month. Right? right. That that information gets documented. And when somebody comes and goes, hey, man, company X called us and they're interested. And I did a little research. I saw we did this thing with them two years ago. What do you remember about that? Well, you probably don't remember if you haven't had if for some reason right. that 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 particular client went cold or what, but the, you want to be able to go back to those things, man. You want to be able to say, you know, I don't remember, right? Like I right. lucky I remember birthdays anymore, but I can go in here and click on a button and I can see, oh yeah, there was an email that was so whatever, whatever, right? Like that yeah. information is there and it is critical. And, and in that particular scenario, trust me, clients want to know that you remember them and that you valued them back then, even if you haven't done work with them before they're going to give you more work, right? Like, and, and you are, and you are, and that's, speaks that goes back to growth right. so like because of that you're informationally advantaged and so the next time you go to um, talk to a client uh, talk to that particular client about their initiative because you had all that information documented you're informationally advantaged and so therefore the chances that you're going to win are higher because you have a prepared mind whoa i like that now, did you see what i did back. there man you you should think about doing something like this for a living. <laughs> if only we got paid for this. Yeah, that that's be... right. Yeah. Who would pay us for this these shenanigans? No, um, nobody. Nobody. Uh, it's so, to stop, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, right. They exactly. Um, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. So, so before we move on, like just to go back through that, right? So we're talking about account growth. Remember that there are a few different kinds of growth or ways to growth that you can think about, right? With existing products, uh, current products, new products, growing in different parts of the organization. Like it's not, and it's not just about a revenue number, right? But growth comes in different forms and fashions. So make sure you're clear on what it is you're trying to achieve when it comes to growth. Trust before you can grow. Job number one of an account manager. We talked about this before and it will come up in maybe every podcast we ever do, right? That is what, John? What is that that you have to do before you can grow or do anything else? Number one is build trust. Boom, build trust, right? Then once you build trust and you drive towards growth, there's just a quick reminder that, you know, sometimes that work is there. Sometimes that work is being done. You don't have to look far to go find that additional work or revenue. Sometimes you're already doing it and you just need to think through formalizing what that looks like. Right. So this is the subtext here is kind of like these little um, little favors that you do along the way, you know, as a good partner, you know, just keep an eye on those because sometimes you, you give a little too much away and, and it can actually compromise the relationship a little bit in a very unknowing way. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then the last one here is that chance favors the prepared mind. It's right. one of your favorites, John. It is. So there's four things you always need to do as a account manager for growth. One is be the project manager when you have to, do business reviews and goal setting, create a relationship map, and leverage the technology that you have, particularly uh, CRMs. I, I'll, I'll make a side note, um, just uh, while we're on the topic of technology. Uh, lot, you know, sometimes it comes up. There's a lot of things in the news about how technology is going to replace certain jobs. Here's the great part about being an account manager: your job is never going to be replaced by technology. And why is that? People buy from people, right? Yep. Technology can help you and it should, it can replace routine tasks. It can do things like CRM. It can replace routine reporting, can make your life easier, but people buy from people. This, the role of account manager and salesperson for that matter will always be there. That's right. That's absolutely right. So account growth, here you have it. Um, and, and we're going to now, before our, our next episode, uh, we'll let you know what we're going to talk about. But before we tell you that, we're going to do something a little bit different. John, what do we have lined up? Well, today uh, we are going to uh, start a new segment called Listener Mailbag. Listener Be- Mailbag. Because we have been receiving mail. And so we want to read a couple of uh, letters that we were saying. Uh, hold on one second, Fred. I'm going to let me dig into to the mailbag and open it up here so that we can see what's in. Hold on one sec. That was me uh, unzipping the mailbag. And now we're going to go take a look and see what's in it. Sounds like a pretty big bag, John. You want to? Did you like that sound effect? Uh, the sound effect was priceless. Do we have to pay somebody for that? Uh, I uh, I downloaded it from the internet. Yeah. But did but do you know how I downloaded it? Um, no. It, in a, in a zip file. Oh my! God. True story. People, people, people. Dad jokes. Uh, off limits. No, that's the, the last... that, 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 yeah, that is a dad joke, but that actually is true. Yeah, I, I thought you'd appreciate that. No, even if it is true, John, it's still you can't do that. Not on this show. 
All right. I it in a zip file. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's read our first letter. Okay. Uh, the first piece of mail here comes from Belgium. We're kind of going global with this thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, it's, it's cool if you're on the front of this wave, right? You could say, oh, yeah, yeah I was yeah, way back when. You know, it's just kind of what everybody, the cool Read kids the letter. are doing. It. Yeah, okay. Uh, kudos from Belgium. I have a course called Account Management, so I've been actively looking for podcasts about the topic. I just discovered your podcast. Love the insights. Also, your introductions crack me up. Keep up the good work. Uh, Mark, and I'm going to butcher this. It's Belgian, right? So is it Mark Devane? It's... Uh, sure. All right. So... Um... Anyway, Mark, we appreciate your uh, letter. That wasn't really a question, but um, but thanks for well, thanks for saying something. And, and so it's a good time to remind all of our listeners: go to our website. You can email us, um, and you can tell us good things, or you can tell us stuff to do better. That would be great. We do we do really appreciate that, and we we love the feedback. So uh, please keep it coming. Yeah, and and I am actually really interested in this, John. So just to let Mark know, like we apologize, we haven't replied yet. We will be replying. Um, it's hard to get through the seventeen thousand emails that we get every single day. Oh, it's a huge mailbag. Unbelievable. Did you hear the zipper? Mm-hmm. Zipper was huge, huge, huge. bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I am very curious about this account management course that you have. Is it a college course? Is it online? Like there's a lot of stuff here. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting because when we wrote this book and when we started doing this podcast, the reality is we did our research and we didn't see that this was a particularly crowded space. Mm-hmm. So to see people that are, that have their own coursework going on and everything else is of great interest. And I can't wait to hear more. So we'll be, uh, we'll be reaching back out to you there. Yep. All right. What do we have here? We have our second, second letter from Aaron who is trying to get into an account management position in a different industry. So they're currently in industry a want to go to industry B and trying to figure out how to move into an account management role within that industry. Yeah, and the the questions, what you know, what would be a good way to make that transition? You know, what are the best precursors to doing that? And the answer is is actually pretty simple. So um, some of our listeners who listened to a podcast we did earlier where we talked about selecting account managers, so more from a management perspective, how you actually pick good account managers. But remember, you know, my philosophy that. Um, account managers don't need to come from the industry that you're in. I wish everybody shared that philosophy, but in general, that's not the case. Most people um, don't share that philosophy. So it is hard to break, you know, shift industries if you are an account manager. So that is, that is tough. Um, the way to do it though, um, is when you do are able to get in contact with a hiring manager who is outside of your industry and you're interested in an account management position, you have to be very clear up front that you're coming from a different industry and try to point out why that shouldn't be a concern of the hiring manager. And so you do that a couple of different ways. One, you basically you know tell them, look, I'm going to do something differently for your from your for your account management function than what's been there previously. And then two, I'm going to learn your industry within three to six months. And I promise you I can do that. Right. And on that first one, what you're going to do is you're going to articulate all of the things that you would do differently as an account manager than what they're used to. Now, the good news is there's a book that tells you how to do that. Wait, and so really? You, yeah. Yeah. 
it's exactly What's the name it's of called. The, book? the name of the book is a dragon walks into a meeting. Yeah. And, um, and so the, the, what you're going to do is in that interview or whenever you get our, you know, get a shot to present, you're going to talk about, I'm going to start by building trust. I'm going to be focused on growth. Um, my philosophies are these, Oh, by the way, you know, I, here's the activities that I'm going to carry out that I bet your account managers don't do today. So I'm going to be actually doing account planning. I'm going to be setting goals. I'm going to be doing regular business reviews with my clients. I know how to objection handle when they say no, right? You're going to, you're going to articulate all those things. And I can almost promise you the hiring manager, if you, if you come in with that complete of a theory of how to do account management, I can almost guarantee you the hiring manager will hire you because they're like, oh, this is what I've been looking for because they're probably not running it that well to begin with. Yeah. There's almost an element of um, the question you're, the question you're asking is, um, is is answering itself in some level, right? So the idea of needing, we talked about this before actually in a previous podcast, which was the the notion of hiring somebody who has strictly been an account manager for, for the entirety of their career. Right. Right. And so when you're hiring for these account management roles, it may or may not be the best thing in the world to have somebody that has, you know, 15 years of experience doing the sort of the exact same thing with, with, with the exact same company potentially. Right. And so this is a wonderful opportunity to kind of help illustrate why it is that you can bring something fresh and different to the table. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah, and yeah. why it is that, that getting hung up on some sort of a norm isn't, it's not bad. I yeah. would never tell that to somebody that I was trying to get a job from, but, but I would help them understand that there are other answers. Yeah. When you're in front of that hiring manager, you address it proactively. And I'm, I would almost start with, look, I know that I'm not from your industry. Let me explain to you why you don't have to worry about that. And then yep. launch into what I just talked about. So I would be that upfront, and I I bet it's not going to work every single time with every single hiring manager. But I get, but I bet with about half of them, you're probably going to break through because you you the way that you talk about it is going to be so differentiated that they're going to be intrigued and they're going to be kind of like, well, gosh, maybe I ought to hire this guy because he might be setting the example for the rest of my account managers, right? So um, yeah, it's a it's a great question. So thank you, Aaron, for that for that question. Well, that's. Uh, I think that's uh, that's it. That's the, the deal, man. That's the mail the mailbag. Should we close it with the zipper sound? You know I mean like uh, let's let's close it out with the here it goes. Uh, now I'm closing it up. Closing up. The I love it. I love that. All right, that's enough silliness. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Tune in next time. Do we know what we're talking about yet, John? We do. We're going to be talking about um, when you're. Uh, saying yes to your clients, which is saying, a little bit related to growth. Yeah. So the whole getting the yes and all that good stuff, right? For John Brown, you got Fred Fuller here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Account Management, A Tactical Guide for Success. Mm-hmm.